Table Talk is not your typical D&D TTRPG podcast. We are not here to run you through our whole campaign. We're here to talk about everything else in the space of Table Talk. I'm your host, Alejandra Wilhelm. And I'm also your host, Mariah Gresham. And we're your tabletop roleplay girlies. Alrighty, and we are live back at it with your favorite uh, roleplay podcast girlies. Um, Welcome back to this episode. Um, So we are actually going to talk a little bit about dead characters and how to resurrect them. Um, To preface, I apologize. I'm a little sick. um, So if my voice sounds a little wonky, I'm so sorry. (laughs) I'm very near death myself. The light intrusive thought that I just had to play like Sarah McLaughlin <laughs> softly. The I might do it. So. The angels. <laughs> yeah, I might do it. We'll see. I mean, literally, I was I was on Saturday, just woke up like death itself. Um, my mother was very concerned for me because I just was a goblin exiting my cave. Um and sounded like one. But yeah, so we are going to get into a bit about character deaths and how to handle it, um, you know, in the in the best way, in the most like, you know, story uh, honoring, honoring way, I would say. Um, and everybody's got different rules about about character death and things like that. And also, like, what role should a uh, like resurrection play into that? Like, if that mm-hmm. character is going to come back and how to do it um, in an equally satisfying way. Um, let's start with. Uh, do you have any particular? I know you have plenty of thoughts about death relating your characters. I do. <laughs> like, or does every or almost every D and D character I play have some, have some death like, the- thematic death yeah. surrounding them? Yes. Am I going to expand on that, or do like no? That's for therapy <laughs> and therapy alone. Um, and ins and my inside brain has, <laughs> my <laughs> has an academic background in the psychology. So I love that I said my inside brain. Yeah, as if there is an outside brain. The part of my brain that's just like in Baldur's Gate where it's like the small brain that just has this. It's like there's one of those, which there might be. Who's to yeah, say? the little the um, little the little brains are the inside brain. And then, you know, the absolute is the, the, the outside brain. Yes. The big brain. Anyway. Um so yeah, I think like as far as so obviously like I've talked a, a fair bit about Anya, my character that I play in your Strixhaven game. And she was, she's a reborn sort of. Like she's a quad, she was killed, she was resurrected, but like they kind of, it was kind of a botched job. So she doesn't have all of the benefits or all of the like uh, downsides of being a reborn. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think the only other character that i really had that we didn't end up getting to play well so two of them for the ravenloft camp we never ended up getting to play this out but early in our ravenloft campaign i uh i started playing at with eva my monk and early on i was kind of just like i don't know i wanted to play her as this really like bubblegum pink like happy-go-lucky character kind of just to be an asshole and like spit in the face of this grimdark setting that the dm was like (laughs) 
trying to be. I'm like, I'm going to be the bubbliest bitch yeah. in the West. Like, you, you've seen nothing. She's going to be a big, doe-eyed country monk. Yeah. Like, that lasted, like, all of two seconds <laughs> with my melodramatic ass. And so pretty early into that campaign, like, maybe, I don't know, six or so sessions in, so like a couple months in, we, like, I sat with the DM and I pitched what if um, one of the dreadlords, dreadlord that was like the pirate dreadlord that was coded for, for me and my proclivities, mm-hmm. uh, killed Eva. And then I had uh, the, my other character, Neris, who is the character I play in our Baldur's Gate, uh, Forbidden Baldur's Gate run through, <laughs> where we're the bad girls on club. our evil fuck shit. Um, where you fucking told me to kill Carlac and then I did it and then you shamed me or you like looked really guilty and I was like you put this in my mind you said that we can't have Carlac and now I have her head in my inventory this is far the word far past the point <laughs> far past the point of regret that back but that's off topic um I was gonna have uh Neris, who is a full reborn Anya ended up being a reborn because I liked a lot of that those themes that I had wanted to play with Neris, but I just needed a different take on mm-hmm. it. Um, but Neris had been resurrected by Strahd, and Neris was Strahd's creature, and she would have been his agent, and so she was a oh gosh, a Gloomstalker ranger, and then she had a level in war like a haunted one warlock. Mm-hmm. Um, with Stratus her patron. And so he could see through her eyes. He could do all kinds of, of fun stuff. And it was going to be a, an interesting thing to see how it played out. Like, did she betray the party to Strahd? Did she try to, like, sever that warlock, pa- like, pact bond? Like, what all happened there? Mm. But it was interesting. After we kind of decided that we were going to do that, that lead up to... What would have been Eva's death, which I think we were only like a couple sessions away from. And like, I think it was it's similar to you uh, with Cadence too. Of like, after you knew that Cadence was going to, you know, be killed, go yeah. that long night, um, <laughs> cross the you rainbow kind of, you bridge. Start... <laughs> yeah. Rage against the dying of the light. Um, you like had a lot more fun with her and you really got a lot more attached to her. And I, I definitely had the same thing happen with Eva where I was like, Oh, this is going to hurt mm-hmm. when this character dies. Um, yeah, but it's a, it's a really interesting thing. And I think the role that death plays in campaigns really is tape various table to table. Cause like, if it's a campaign where we're just here to like, you know, kill mimics and and get treasure and buy ale, then no, no one's probably, no one really needs to die, Mm -hmm. right? But if it's a darker campaign, like I know I've had discussions with certain, with kind of, with certainly you and Bex, and it's probably forthcoming with Alyssa, with our Vampire the Masquerade campaign, of I'm like, there are things that you've pitched to me as ideas where I'm like, I love that. And I think it's chaotic and dope, Mm. but if you get caught and it comes out, the punishment for that will be the final death. Yeah. And I need you to know that that is the state because this is a campaign where like, this is not, we're not heroes here. (laughs) This is all fucked up shit. And this is a campaign where death is a possibility. 
and I'm not setting out to kill you. Yeah, but it's like, if I start rolling dice for these fucking demigod elder vampires, somebody might not make it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fully. And I think, yeah, like, I think what you mentioned, um, two parts here. Um, both the part of, you know, and, and we've talked about, like, you know, it is okay if you are no longer comfortable playing a certain character. It is okay. It, it, and, like, you're feeling self-conscious about, like, you know intruding on other people's fun or whatever like if you do not want to play a certain character anymore you can work with your dm to to write them out and stuff and whatever if they just like take a long walk into the forest and never come back that's fine if you want them to have like a big dramatic uh send off death you know as as some of us did uh not looking at myself or any other reflective uh surfaces of this moment <laughs> but the role that death plays in the theme of the campaign that you're playing in um it's very it's it's a good element i think to sit down with your players and set the tone for the kind of you know theme or campaign that you're you're in and having them understand how like severe the consequences might be so like for example you know when we first started Strixhaven, we had two players uh, initially who were brand baby spanking new to D&D, right? Mm -hmm. And so we chose the the Strixhaven setting because it was like, or, you know, very lighthearted, very fun, and very safe. Um, so like, you know, I remember think... Remember that? <laughs> remember that? Um, remember when it was that for like two fucking sessions? Yeah. And so like I had, you know, we had our session zero as as you should always do. And I made sure to preface, I'm like, hey, you know, so long as you're inside of Strixhaven, you know, it's a magic school with plenty of powerful instructors um, and staff, you know, you're not really going to run into risk of, of death, death while you're at school. If you decide to fuck off and like go into the city and do something dumb, or God forbid you leave the city of Trodane entirely and go try to enter like the big world, you know, you're, you're leaving the starting Island on, on fucking breath of the wild type shit yeah um then that's on then you. god be with you but as far as like you know the major shit uh, that was going on in Strixhaven, i did not in originally intend for anybody to have any character deaths there uh unplanned and so i made sure to preface that because i wanted to make sure they were they were feeling safe to just like have fun explore get the handle on on it and you know whenever y'all graduated and they'd you know been playing for a while at that point i would be ready to like send you off into a world of consequences um yeah then we can up the risk yeah then those players left because you know life gets in the way sometimes and we love them and and yep. and and all of that um and then they left and i was left with my three experienced players and i was like yes we had another sit down chat where i was like hey girls we're we're taking a whole different take on this because now it's now it's my veterans sitting at the table yeah. Now it's the girls that I know live for that dramatic ass shit and it's going to get a little dark and it's. And we're getting into like my, the depths of my character's arc, which was already quite dark. And it was just like how like death was a very central thing. It was just sort of how graphic is it going to be? And how graphic was it was that we made a patchwork quilt of her parents' corpses <laughs> um, that also had a plant in it. Um, a taste Which, whoo um yeah <laughs> but 
still one of the just more wild like that is the wildest <laughs> moment i've ever experienced it and and i knew it was coming but i me mariah and my character were neither of us are prepared for that i'm very i'm very fully. satisfied with that feeling as, as a dm i now understand so much about other dms <laughs> in that moment i'm gonna get your ass back in the vampire i know i know you will i know you will and i'm looking forward to every second of it um but yeah it's it's having those conversations with your players that kind of sets the tone of like hey the fuck around and find out setting is turned on at the moment um and and understanding that and i think for example like in our our horror campaign, our Western horror, that's like even cranked more mm-hmm. because Teddy's really like it. Sure. Teddy's really taken on that like antagonistic DM, um, you know, mantle, but not in a way that's yeah. like toxic. In a way that's like in a fun, in a fun, yeah, way. in a way that it, yeah. it's got the same vibe of like playing a fucking Elden Ring game, where I'm like the game is made so. to kill me at every corner, and surviving yeah. is the win here, and so. Every combat encounter we enter, we are like on, we are turned on max. We are all like pulling out our best moves, using our best tactics. Like I've never. Yeah, you're like, here, let me shotgun a Dr. Pepper. Yeah. And like. And big brain strat this whole map. Because I'm going to need it. Yeah. But it's so fun. And like, and it's because he's put such high stakes there. And he makes us fucking feel yes. it every single second. And it, it but like it, he does it in a, in a really good way. Um, but having that element of character death like makes things impactful. Um, and of course, you're trying to prevent it at every corner, but should it happen? I think having those conversations where you've prefaced, you understand that this is going to happen. Um, you know, that way, like if you're you're taking a big swing and you're like, OK, if the role comes out bad, you know what this means. And like how giving the player that moment to like like separate from the character, I think is important and understand that like, okay, whatever happens next, it could mean life or death for this character. I could be saying goodbye in this next role. And for sure. I think that's really, really important to like handle the character death properly is like both setting expectations at the beginning and then when you the dm recognize that you're entering a a high risk moment with a player um i think like Mm -hmm. you know brennan for example and abria and like matt mercer all do this really well um of where they set the expectation for that one role and those one roles are the ones that like make you so excited to play the game because you're like, mm-hmm. oh, the stakes are high. It's got like that gambler's rush and you're like, I need this to go well. And if it doesn't, you're like, oh, it's like the highs and the lows. Right. And yeah, having that brief moment before that role where you're setting the expectation, the player knows what's at stake and has come to acceptance with either result because it really is up to chance at that point, I think is like key to handling that in a in a good way that will work both story-wise as well as like the dynamics that are handled there at the table and the player itself for sure and it's like because there's two different ways i don't i don't i think either can be good and there's not like a a worse one and a better one but there's like planned character deaths where it's like for whatever reason we've orchestrated this or there's where you set the expectation in advance or it's like okay this might lead to a character death so it's like maybe people 
you you have people like make a backup character, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's those moments in game where things just go irrevocably tits up. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh no. I like I was not emotionally prepared for this character to die. And they very well might. Like I have that in the famous Chimera fight mm-hmm. with Eva, where like weirdly. I had made my piece with like this character's gonna die, but I I I knew roughly how she was gonna die. And so I'd and I, I liked a lot of that story. And it's like, but at that point, like none of that had been set up. Like we weren't in the right domain, whatever. And we just get in this fight and Eva's a monk, so it's like she's a tank. And so she's in there, you know, locked in, swinging, and I just my roles were awful. And it got to the point where, like, the DM looked at me, <laughs> and it was like, it was after she'd already been set on fire, like, a couple times. Like, it was a mess. And, like, she was unconscious, I believe. And the DM looked at me, and he's like, I'm going to roll open on the table. And it's like, if it's below a 10, the dragon head of the chimera is going to eat her. And at that point, I was so emotionally <laughs> checked out from the moment <laughs> that I was like, well, fuck, I guess, I guess that's what's happening. Um, because it had just like everything that could go wrong did go wrong. And it's like, oh fuck. And then like, yeah, he rolled like a 14 or something. So she didn't get fucking eaten. But that was like, that's a very different feeling. Yeah. Than um dealing with like a planned death. And like I, I can comp- contrast that with like Anya's fight early on with the uh corpse flower of like that was stressful mm. um because it was going really poorly and like a beloved NPC had come with me <laughs> and like I was oh it was just me and that NPC. And so like that was it was stressful, but I knew that you weren't gonna kill Anya in that scene. Oh yeah, I was not. I, I had my, I, I had my plans. I just, I knew kind of in my heart that I was like, we've worked, we've done so much work on this character, and there's so much buildup and there's so much good stuff we're just getting into of like, this is not gonna be where she dies. Like, it might go really poorly. She might lose a limb, lose an eye, something. And that's something we had talked about before. It's like, you know, if you fully fuck around and find out, there might be a consequence that isn't death, but is like you know, you have some sort of permanent physical scarring. And, like, that I could make my peace with, but I I wasn't worried like I was with Eva, where I was like, oh, I might fully lose this character right now, and then all the work that I've done is for nothing. Because they're just gonna die a meaningless death. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That, like, that's stressful. And then, like, but comparing that with, like, Teddy's campaign, where because Teddy's campaign is so combat-focused, where it's like, I have some background for, like, Maeve, my monk, but it, it's nothing remotely close You're not crazy to invested what, like, we've either. built. No. And so it's more like, Maeve is, like, as a character is generally just very chaotic, and she wants to, like, say her, you know, flip prayers, make her blood sacrifices, collect her bones, and just out here to vibe and hit things. And so, like, no, I don't want her to die. I'm having a lot of fun playing her. But I'm not so emotionally tied up in her that if she died, Mm -hmm. it would, like, wreck me the person. And that, I think, is important for a a campaign that is so combat-focused because that lets me 
take more risks or do more things that like might be kind of helter skelter and crazy because I'm like, well, it, you know, I'm prepared. I have a different mindset in that campaign. Yeah. I think in that campaign in particular, again, it goes back to that. Like you've set expectations. I set expectations in my campaign where I'm like, death is a possibility, but like when it's probably most thematically like proper, right? Like, I wasn't going to kill you before any big reveal. If the final battle had gone tits up, maybe. Like, at that point, we got to honor maybe. it. But, um... And at that point, for Anya's character, like, if she had died in that same fight in which, like, what we remained of her parents had died, like, that, I mean, for her as a character, she would probably have more peace with that than being where she is now, where she's just yeah. left having had to be the one to deliver that final blow. So it's like that, that would have been in line with the character work we've done. Exactly. And like, I want, so I want your, I want your characters. I think like for, for me, it's kind of like, it's that, it's that mechanic in Strixhaven specifically. It's for the that mechanic in video games sometimes where, you know, you enter a zone where you're like, oh, I can't save. And like, yeah, you know what? What happens here happens, kind of shit. Um, like, it's that point in like Resident Evil Eight where you're in that like intro village where all the wolves are, <laughs> and it just tells you to run. Yeah, and you've like not gotten all the commands yet, and you're like, this isn't. That's not what I want to see. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I don't have another option. Yeah, so I think for like in our specific campaign, that's kind of how I handle it. In that, like, I have a lot of story shit that I have to set up for each of your characters before y'all get to those mm-hmm. danger zones. And I think in the danger for zones sure. of your like the highest points of your arc are really where your character's most at risk. Um, because yeah. at that point, that's when like the guardrails kind of come off, and I'm like, what happens in this fight is going to happen. Um, Right. But then I do want y'all obviously to make it to graduation. Um, and then my sure. plans yeah. are like once you're graduated, you're full blown adventures and you don't have mommy and daddy and, you know, your legal guardians or whoever's watching over you anymore. And like, uh, yeah. You don't have your big, bad, like max level <laughs> Nepo baby privilege no. anymore. You are out in the big, big world. And the big, big world has claws and teeth and things that lurk in the dark. So what sure. happens it's a very different campaign after we graduate yeah. which i really like i think it's it's cool yeah that build up is gonna be really and, fun and it's reflective of like you know y'all are still like i think you're like level you're level three now and something like that yeah yeah, yeah. so like yes we are three because anya just took her oath exactly so you guys are level three so i'm like yeah i want the danger level to reflect that same level that you guys are as characters um, and obviously, like, the closer we get to, like, end of graduation, you're going to be going on some, like, actual adventures and stuff. So that might be a little bit more dangerous. But I, I'm adapting it accordingly um, mm-hmm. and things like that. But, like, uh, I think I uh, emphasize when you guys are entering those zones of, hey, this is high risk. Like, y'all could die. Mm-hmm. And, like, we're, we're, we're in that yeah. red map area. Yeah, like when we were breaking into Lisette's office to try to like find that, you know, and pulling back the bookcase and or in, the, in that whole like investigation period where it's like, I don't, I think you and I were probably the only ones that fully had a grasp on that because nobody else really knew the like how, how bad, bad it was about to stuff be yeah. was until, until that session. But, like you had maybe even made a comment of like, if that had 
gotten fucked up and for some reason like Bex's character Callista had just like busted in there and tried to just like you know Nepo baby strong arm her way into being like tell me the truth like you probably would have had Lisette just capture Callista and but to either kill her and try to resurrect her or she would have just been in that room yeah. with like all the dead bodies right yeah waiting to be worked on I think y'all and y'all entered the the red zone as soon as like as soon as that conversation started to turn with Lisette, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, she's in danger. Yes. And so, like, we thankfully had the sense to move quite quickly mm-hmm. after that. We didn't, like, really sleep on it or anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just kind of just kept, kept it, kept it trucking. But, yeah, that could have gone quite poorly mm-hmm. for sure. And I think it's similar for me with um, vampires because, like, I'm not set out setting out to kill your characters in any way either. I think I just wanted to set the expectation because, like, in the episode um, last week that we just had had go out with with Ryan from Run DMG, where we talked all things like <laughs> Vampire the Masquerade. And kind of compared that to D&D is like, there's a thing with D&D of like your your first and best option, right, is to just come in swinging and try to out-muscle and out-fight and immediately go to combat and all of that. And Vampires is not that. And White Wolf games are not that. They're a very different tone. And I wanted to make that clear. So it's like, I didn't want you turning up to a situation like Court or... You know, so where you're told to hunt down a more senior vampire, what like whatever, mm. and you think, oh, if somebody mouths off to me, I'll just pull out pull out my longsword and hack at them, because like you can do that, but if you do, you're probably not going to come out of it because this person's so much stronger than you. Yeah. So it's more so for me. It wasn't like oh, I'm setting out to, like, kill the characters or a threat or anything like that. It's just a a tone setting for, like, the gravity. Yeah, because I think when, especially in VTM, when you're playing, like, Camarilla vampire court stuff, mm-hmm. you just have to understand that, like, you have a role to play and you have to play it smart. It's much more intrigue and you know things like that and the social hierarchy is is a much yeah rather than coming in here um, like big dick swinging like some some viking women that i certainly won't reference um yeah because you're but, like you're not gonna be the biggest dick in the room yeah. unfortunately yeah i was like she has that energy but so, then we were like okay we, re- she we reconciled it with the person that helped her like come back out of torpor was like hey we're gonna spend a year teaching you etiquette <laughs> she's like hey what you're not gonna do is fucking ruin my reputation yeah. as well like we're gonna just we're gonna put some training wheels on well because there was a bit where like you pitched the like unhinged idea of having <laughs> to like kill an elk or something and bring it into court yeah and so i'm thinking i'm like okay Aunt prince anne is a ventrue so prince anne's not gonna eat that elk and i'm like i i don't know how that's going to be received. received and how it's going to be coming from Revna, who is responsible for like the mass atrocity of uh, Roanoke and like everything of like 
Anne's relationship to Riley and Revna's relationship to Riley. And I'm like, there's a lot going on. So I'm like, that might go quite poorly. <laughs> that might be take like that might get you, me like, killed. I, I literally, <laughs> maybe. And I'm like, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have like killed you necessarily, but like you might go back at the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> and have to get I me mean, you can get pulled back out they'll just like pull the stake out and feed you a little bit but like it um take out your pocket farm it and just sort of squeeze it over your mouth <laughs> it would have been fine but like i think totally like, i like i'll roll for it of like i'll just see what happens similar to dnd of it's like i'll put a like a, a an over under number in my head and that will be how she reacts mm. and like you ended up having Remna like make a painting and do that which is much more sort of then true appropriate yeah so it, it went over quite well but it was funny because like really the deciding factor between the two was you telling me i didn't have that much time between that moment and when the party was happening or whatever so i was like she doesn't really have yeah. time to go hunt a whole elk and then still look good by the time she's back in court yeah so you're in london so it's like you'd have to i would have had to go trek the, the white, fuck the out yeah <laughs> into the country <laughs> Or something. Right. And, uh, yeah, no, I was like, there's not enough time. Even though she is very fast, I don't think there's enough time for Mm -hmm. her to, like, either she would have come back smelling like Hunt, you know? Uh, Yeah. Or. Like a kid that's been on the playground. Yeah. Or she she can show up looking cute. If I could have looked cute and still had the elk, I would have done it. Like, that's really the only thing that saved us from that moment. Well, there's there's still opportunities for you to like you'll probably have oh, little excursions. But this character, I'm gonna get out, mine out for sure. Like, there'll be time. There'll be time for an elk hunt. Um, I would actually love. I, I would love to role play that. That'd be hilarious with the three of you. <laughs> but uh, like, there there was definitely a moment when you had Revna walk in. Where in my head, I'm like, is there an elk over this bitch's shoulders? And she's just not narrating it yet. <laughs> and then like it took me a bit because I'm like I'm like where is it? Where's the elk corpse? <laughs> When's it coming? And then you were like, oh, she has the painting. And I'm like, okay, cool. Then there's no, there's no, I mean, is there a corpse and a painting? I'm like, no, just painting. Just okay, painting. Great. Just painting. Um, it's a magic painting that's a portal, a bag of holding that's holding the elk corpse. Yeah. Like, what, where is it? 100%. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, that would have been rather unfortunate if my girl had uh, gotten conked <laughs> on day one. Um, no she wouldn't she wouldn't have gotten conked like there there's no fun in that and there's too much fun stuff i have like planned and that i i want to do yeah but it definitely would have put her behind the eight ball as far as like relations with every anyone at court right which like even though like none of you really care for the people that are currently ruling london you still, you know, you don't necessarily want them to know that, right? Yeah. So it's a, it would have put more of a target on your back when there is already a target on your back. Yeah. And that's another thing to to mention, I think, like when you as the... Bring it out to Mithras. <laughs> Bring it out to Mithras, yeah. he'll appreciate it. Probably. I, I feel like he would. All right, sick. I'll take a note of that. Um, I was going to say, like, uh, that is another thing to mention is, like, when you, when you, the DM, are not, like, prepared for a character death, 
and like kind of you mentioned mm-hmm. when shit's going tits up and like like the the momentary panic that you have behind that screen and you're like ah. and like also like the guilt because like you know ideally i hope you don't genuinely want to kill your 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 characters like teddy jokes about it but he loves our characters and he doesn't actually want them to die yeah. but he's just gonna let the dice no. die um and, and do their thing if Teddy, yeah, if Teddy wanted our characters to die, he wouldn't have given us his late Warwick, his DMPC. Yeah. That, like, 1v1's the the baddest motherfucker enemy that's on the field. Yeah, or, like, like our million and one random homebrew fail saves that we have. Yeah. Um, no. And things like that, because as just, like, last resort shit. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like, I think about, like, like w- what I mentioned before with, like, Val and stuff and, like, uh, that was a situation that went tits up because we like as dummies party split and it was really mm-hmm. the dice were just not in my favor and it was certainly not a moment he had planned and i was like in resolute like hey i've been rolling so bad i'm so defeated i'm like if she if you she, if she like, goes i guess she goes and then he's like no <laughs> but he was like no we have worked too fucking hard uh and he was panicking as much as i was mm-hmm. um but yeah he's literally just roll it again he's like if you can get a three i'll let yeah he's really trying to give me every every fucking just don't roll a one every chance possible and my dice were like what if you get fucked my guy um yeah pretty <laughs> but no yeah and like those those moments i fear i genuinely do fear that it because i love y'all's characters so much and i've done so much work for like each of your stories and stuff and especially as like i'm leaning up into each one of them i do more um and like and they're interweaving now and like even it's so good all of anya and Callista's shit and like anya and like her ex's shit that is in close as close as brother and it's like it's oh there's so much good stuff that i'm like i need it they can't die yeah um have you question have you have you ever had a character resurrect uh be resurrected or do the resurrecting be resurrected or both Mm. i'm trying to think because i know i don't know that i've ever had to have a character be resurrected like in in table in canon like yeah I definitely had like plotted stuff for like like Maris, the um like super high level um cleric and psionic rogue that I played mm. in the OP server. Like she definitely had been resurrected in her past and had resurrect or had tried and failed to resurrect people, but I don't it's never happened in like game. organically in I don't game, believe. Yeah. Gotcha. No. I'm trying to think like I don't think I, I don't have think you? I have either. Um I don't think I've ever played a campaign long enough to really have that like full circle come come back around um i've definitely had that's me too. yeah i've definitely had character deaths obviously um but i'm trying to think of it from the perspective of like as a dm um if like i had a character death how would i kind of handle the possibility right of resurrection mm-hmm. um and i think I think most people would agree that, like, obviously resurrection, like, like a true resurrection, I mean, even the spell, I think, is pretty, pretty demanding in, like, the qualifications. Like, you have to have, like, a diamond that's worth so much or whatever. Um, yeah, it's for, like, 10,000 gold or whatever. Yeah. Um, or, I mean, that's probably the wrong number. Don't quote me on that. But, like, 
And there's, like, it's a spell, and you have to roll for it, and, like, the soul has to be willing, yeah. and, like, they each, I know they've done that a lot in, like, Critical Role, where they each do something or say something or whatever to try to, like, lower the, the Lower the DC of the resurrection. Uh-huh. And, like, it's a very, t- and I, I love that. Yeah, that's a really in, cool, in table. cool mechanic to include in that. Because it it really sets the stage for, like, how important the thing you're trying to do is like my favorite example is probably and like people either who have listened to Vox Machina or seen the animated series if you haven't please go watch it it's so good but the moment where um they're going after the first uh vestige and it it was actually a Deathwalker's ward was actually supposed to be Percy's vestige of diversion not not Vax's um but then like Vex goes to open that casket and it like the trap goes off and it kills her. Um, and then in that resurrection spell, when they're trying to revive her, Vax has that moment that like take me instead, you raven bitch mm-hmm. moment where he offers himself in Vex's place to the Raven Queen because the Raven Queen. I took a lot of inspiration from a call Anya's deity that we homebrew mm. with a uh, Kalimvor and the Raven Queen from from Critical Role uh, because like she is an entity that governs over the sanctity of death and the process of death and it's like once you die you belong to her mm-hmm. and she is loath to release souls and so he offered Vax offered himself in Vex's place and like. All of the everything that comes from that, you don't know yet unless you've seen, unless mm-hmm. you've listened to the, like, the whole campaign. But um, there's so many little moments of, like, when the Raven Queen cut that thread that was between Vex and Vax and bound Vax to herself. And, like, that that's probably my favorite, both in the animated series and then also in the game, mm-hmm. uh, resurrection moment. Because it's just so poetic and so good and so true to their characters and the stakes yeah. and the outcome for that were so massive and earth shattering for all of those characters and they have had no idea really what that meant at that point yeah it has and it doesn't fully come out until much later it has to be huge like yeah cuz you know we we can't we can't do that in real life so no, in in a world of of endless magical possibilities, there has to be an element of like it has to be difficult. It has to be it has to require so much. Um, I think I did that oh. a lot with like Lisette's stuff because like her her whole thing was that she was doing all these reborn experiments because her lover was the previous champion to your death god, and so his soul was not. A- anyone else's but that god's and so he could not be and his soul didn't want to return. his soul didn't want to return but it also doesn't belong to him anymore no and nope. you know like the 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 wording specifically was also it was like either the soul has to be willing or it's being held back by something like a, a higher power mm-hmm. and yeah for me it was both you know but for sure. yeah. and her motivation was so much like I want to break the the natural laws of magic to bring him back. And she was going to any yeah. length and it was obviously like two horrific lengths 
to try to achieve that goal. And, uh, you know, she's the most powerful healer, like in the canon of that, of that, mm-hmm. like at least the continent. Um, and she could not achieve it. So it's the hubris. It's the hubris. Yeah. Um, and so it, it has to be like an astronomical cost. Uh, it has to, it has to mean something. And so I think like, if you're, if you're going to play around with resurrection of a, of a care previous character death, um, you know, it's still achievable, but like you as the DM should make that have a weight. Like you want this mm-hmm. character back so bad, it's gonna it's gonna cost somebody or all of you very dearly. Yeah, I agree. Like, because if you're gonna play around with fate, baby, that's that's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot to <laughs> to do. Yeah, it's a it's a big thing, and I think it is. There's some things where like um, Baldur's Gate is another example of like, yeah, like that's a video game. So yeah, I like that we can just pop a resurrection. And, like, <laughs> I could just talk to Withers real yeah. quick and be like, I want my boyfriend yeah. back. Pay pay Withers 200 bucks <laughs> to like r- bring my pretty boyfriend, my pretty vampire boyfriend back who always goes down like a stone in combat because <laughs> he is a rogue and doesn't have a ton of HP. Um, but in a table, at a table game, I think it, it doesn't, I don't like it to be that. Yeah. Unless it's a game where it is just very casual and hot, funny, yeah. and then like if it's that, it's then for the people goofs. probably aren't dying, right? But yeah, like but, you know, burn one of your favorite socks, and your homegirl comes back. Yeah, that was an interesting thing too. I think that was the episode with like Dan Tom, where he talked about like you know you sacrifice. No, that was like sacrifice an item or something to get a spell slot or whatever. But I also like that as an idea potentially for to aid in a resurrection mm-hmm. spell as well um yeah that would be cool but then also sometimes like you don't have a cleric like not all parties have a cleric and i think you have i believe it's like an hour after yeah the like soul the like souls left the body to perform that resurrection ritual or it's done like tethered forever and like that's the tether is severed Mm -hmm. and they cannot come back um so yeah, if you're out in like the boonies and you don't have a cleric, then yeah, Bobblin the Goblin ain't coming back. Bobblin the Goblin ain't coming back. Yeah, it's like it's the same as being out in the boonies and it's gonna fucking take over an hour for an ambulance to get there. Like, so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I agree. Like in the in the in the general broad sense, I think um, the the element of having character deaths at your table should be you know custom tailored. You know, understand the game that you are playing. Um, and what role that's going to have there set proper expectations with your players, both before the campaign and also in the moment when, you know, things are getting bad, whether it was planned or not, um, you mm-hmm. know, make that moment mean something uh, to the best of your ability, either, like you know, through narration or down to that dice roll. I just randomly have this thought, but I, I think, like, as the DM in that situation, especially if it's something where, like, you brought this up earlier of, like, getting in a situation where the dice have just fucked you over and you're, you've are you not prepared for this to be, like, a life and death encounter, and now it is. Like, I think it's fine. Of Like, this is easier to do if you're playing in person. But, like, stop the game and then be like, okay, this character is, they have failed all their death saving throws. They are dead. 
and then pull that player aside into another room and be like, okay, your soul's left your body, so come and have a conversation with me. Or if you're on Zoom, like, go into another, like, a separate chat room or whatever. And, like, if you need to have a check-in really quick of it's like, okay, how are you feeling? How are we doing with this? Like, are you are you good? Like, are do you want to play this out? Do you want this to be the end of this character? Do you feel like this is a good ending for them? Or do we do you want like me to pull off some kind of like DM intervention? Because at the end of the day, like you're rolling behind a screen, like you, you have, you have the power, you're guiding the story. You have the power to pull a character kind of back from the brink. And it, it like your players having fun and like not being traumatized unless like, unless they consented to that is always like the oh, first priority. For sure. So I think it's, and it, it thematically makes sense because, like, for all the other party members, that's ten- That's always tense when the DM, like, pulls one aside or, like, tells everybody else to leave yeah, to talk to like, one person. Yeah, what the fuck is happening? And then, yeah. And so, like, when someone has died, it's like, okay, you're going to have a, a little conversation with, with God. Uh, <laughs> with whatever's on the other side of the rainbow. Mm-hmm. Um, that that could be a cool way if you're like oh fuck i don't i didn't think this was gonna happen yeah i like like that it could be an element of like both like a check-in of like hey what are you good do we want this to happen do we want to do something different um and then you know if they're at peace with that death you can also take that moment to really like kind of describe to them what happens to that character once they die like who do they see on the other side what do they experience and where do they go um and give them that like personal private moment of closure um is like really mm-hmm. yeah, yeah like it would be like a like a really meaningful in, uh, interaction because it, it it does suck because we put a, we put a lot of emotional effort into these characters we put a lot of ourselves in these characters so uh a, a character death should be handled with all the care of like you know this was something important to you and like we want to send it off properly in whatever fashion is is gonna be the best way whether we ordained this to happen or the dice just said, fuck you and, and the horse you rode in on, mm-hmm. I'm going to wipe this Literally, bitch out yeah, which with a rat. They have a tendency to do <laughs> just a, a chonky rat. A chonky hefty rat and one bad dice roll is all that keeps you from the mortal, <laughs> on the mortal <laughs> coil. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, handle, handle those character deaths with, with care and then, you know, treat resurrection uh, uh as as importantly i think you know it depends on your it depends on your campaign if you if you want to do the funny funny haha goofs and you have a little withers that you just got to pay a couple bucks to and everybody is chilling by all means um or yeah. use it as like a really powerful narrative tool um to mm-hmm. to really add weight to things and and world built um but with yeah and if it's a game where those forces are in play or you want them to be in play as a dm and your players have have agreed to that it can be a good moment to show that those stakes are higher absolutely and play like put that into play yeah 100 percent. well i think we um are coming up on our time here for the episode um thank you so much for joining us for this little this little uh, chit chat about death um and resurrection welcome to a show about <laughs> we've been singing That's forever we've been singing so much this beetlejuice episode. um 
beautiful but yeah go listen to beetle go listen to beetlejuice hashtag sponsor dot sponsor definitely not sponsored i wish um definitely that'd be be funny (laughs) absolutely but thank you so much for joining us um we will see you next time um you know remember that the game is 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 never that serious but it's also the thing we love the most but thank you so much have a good night bye bye Table Talk is a podcast brought to you by Mythos Media Productions, bringing you a new episode every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts. Find us on Instagram and TikTok at TabletalkRPG, or check us out at our website, mythosmediaproductions.godaddysites.com. All business inquiries can reach out to us via email at info at mythosmediaproductions.com.